fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Live, episode 236. I am your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my good friend and special guest, Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric's currently rocking with ESPN, formerly of the Falcoholic as well. Eric, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing, man. I'm doing. We're hanging in there. We're, just, we're what, 22 days? Yep. 22 days. Yeah. Let's no, do it, man. We're, 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 it's in sight. Yes, officially under a month from the NFL draft, so it's as good a time as any to officially transition to draft takes season here on the Falcoholic Live. Now, obviously, we've been talking about the draft on every episode before this, but this is, I think, the moment where we officially transition to like 90% draft talk, 10% other as we approach the actual event coming soon. Uh, and it's an exciting one, obviously, with the Falcons uh, having three top 100 picks, uh, three top 75 picks technically, and a lot of needs filled in free agency. So there's a lot of flexibility with these picks that may not have been there prior to free agency. Um we talked about it like earlier in the off season, you know, and we talked about Bijan uh, being like, oh, well, maybe they could take Bijan, but like they would have to fill a lot of needs in free agency before I'd feel comfortable taking Bijan. Well, they filled a lot of needs in free agency. So the, the conversation's obviously going to come to Bijan at some point tonight. You know, we just can't help ourselves as the Bijan fam um, here on the show. And I, even George Costanza has become a believer in the Bijan. Uh, so that to me, that means it's going to happen. Right, Eric? Right, because he was all on the Kyle Pitts thing. Yeah, yeah. Two years so, ago. Oh. So yeah, with with George officially joining the Bijan train, I'm pretty confident now um, that that Bijan's going to happen. So maybe the whole show's pointless because we can just go ahead and, and write down Bijan in pen. But um, we got to fill the air sometime, right? So we're, I guess we'll talk about maybe some other players that they might target at eight, but also some second and third round guys that we like. Um, dive a little bit deeper on. The good players, not just the the potentially great ones at the top. Maybe some that could be great on day two. Um, but just a little bit of a deeper dive. Uh, but of course, we, we'll do a lot of, of number eight overall talk. Uh, talk about the possibility of a trade down from eight as well. Uh, which is picking up a little bit of steam with the all the stuff with the Patriots potentially wanting to trade Mac Jones. Which means they would be interested, obviously, in getting up for a quarterback unless they're all aboard the Zappy train, which... I guess I don't really believe, uh, but, you know, maybe. Uh, and then the Titans rumored to be interested in getting up for a quarterback, too. So there are some some opportunities there if a quarterback does fall to eight, that that could be uh, an option for the Falcons, even though it's never really likely that you get a trade down, especially when you're outside the top five. But it, it could happen. So those are a couple of the things we'll be talking about. Um, but a, a lot to, to cover in the the. Uh, run up to the 2023 NFL draft. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. Did you have something to add there? Go ahead. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we could start with the eighth overall pick. Cause that, that's where all the energy gets, gets sent, uh, for, for most fans and for obvious reasons, right? I mean, when you have a top 10 pick, you're in contention for many of the top prospects in the class. And with the Falcons allegedly not in on quarterback, um, you should have if if potentially three, well, probably almost certainly three, but possibly up to four quarterbacks going before pick eight, you should be guaranteed a top five non-quarterback in the class. So before we get into that, though, do, do you think there's any possibility that they do go quarterback at eight or make any sort of move up for a quarterback at this point? 
Yeah, if Bryce Young somehow fell. <laughs> yeah, it would be hard. CJ's. It would be hard. Yeah, it would be hard to say no to that. To Bryce Young it'd in particular, I think. Yeah. Like that's the only way I see it at this point, man. Um, you know, I, I think they recognize that they are they recognize that they're in position, like you mentioned, to where four quarterbacks can go in the top four, maybe top five, and they may have a pick of a top defender at that point. And I think they kind of sort of just want to sit at eight and see how it plays out. Um, but I do a, a trade back is a definite possibility. But as far as them going for a quarterback here, if somehow, some way, by some miracle, Bryce Young is still there at eight for some odd, unfathomable reason, that's the only way I see him pulling the trigger there. I'm not even buying the whole Anthony Richardson thing. I think they're just doing their due diligence. They're trying to force teams to possibly trade up for him. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense to me with the quarter, the top quarterbacks pretty much every year, especially if you're picking the top 10. You, you never know who might fall or who you're going to be playing. Uh, it's, it's always good to yeah. get an idea of who these guys are. Um, but yeah, right. I, I'd, I'd agree with you. I, I don't really think they're serious about getting any of these quarterbacks. Um, you know, if there's some strange scenario where someone ends up falling to eight, I think they'll have wanted certainly to have done the background on these guys to know if that's something they'd be interested in. But it would be un- like some people are like, oh, it's obviously a smokescreen, you know, for, for Lamar or for something else. Well, for, for Fontenot and Smith, you know, going all in on Ritter, like I could believe that. But generally you don't involve like the owner in it. And you've got, you know, Arthur Blank basically going out on, on the circuit, talking up Desmond Ritter. And I feel like that's that's not something you typically have the owner doing is, is supporting your draft smokescreen. So um, I, I tend to think they're serious about Ritter um, being the starter, at least to start the year. So that's sort of where mm-hmm. where our thoughts are. I think we're aligned there for the most part. So the next topic you mentioned defensive players, so we can start there. Uh, let's let's start with the edge group because this is seems to be where a lot of fans, especially early on in the off season, were focusing a lot of their energy. Like Falcons need to get an edge rusher, and like the pass rush has been a big problem for basically as long as I can remember, and I'm sure you as well. So it it makes a lot of sense. Um, it seems like. You know, Will Anderson, almost certainly not going to be there. Um, so you're looking at Tyree Wilson, potentially, but that one, is, I'd say, is 50% chance or less that he makes it there. Um, and then you've got a, a number of other guys. Nolan Smith seems to be one that the Falcons have been connected to. There is some legitimate buzz there. There's Lucas Van Ness, Miles Murphy, who just had a great workout. Um, but I, I do think, like, after you get past Tyree Wilson you go into like a different tier and I'm just not sure any of those guys are really top 10 caliber, but I'm interested in your thoughts in that, that group of edge guys. I'm right there with you, man. Like, you know, Tyree is the name that's probably attached to the Falcons the most. Um, and you know, he, like you mentioned, there's, it's not a guarantee he's going to make it to eight. You know, um, I keep looking at a team like Seattle and a, and a team that's in desperate need of pass rush right now. Um, and, and they can definitely take a swing at him. He definitely feels like a Michael Bennett, like type player in their particular scheme. Um, so I can, I can definitely see him, you know, being snatched up there at five. Um, but you know, the Nolan Smith thing has been attached to the Falcons for, for a little bit of while, for a little while. And there has been some buzz, uh, generated. I, I just, I'm not. I like Nolan Smith, 
as a prospect. Don't get me wrong, but I haven't seen enough of Nolan being the guy to take him at eight. Like if you're if you're taking an edge rusher in the top ten, you you need to have seen him be like the bell cow in terms of pass rushing. And I haven't really seen that from him throughout his entire career at, at Georgia. I mean, he's made some plays here and there, but I've never really seen him stand out. I've never really seen him like, oh, my God, like he's hands down. Like Jordan Davis last year, for example. Jordan Davis has plenty of examples where Jordan Davis is like he's the best player on the field. I, I haven't seen that from Nolan. I haven't seen that enough. Van Ness, I haven't seen that enough from Van Ness. These two are athletic freaks, but. Miles Murphy G. too. It's like three guys. Like Murphy as well. Yeah. yeah. Like I've seen. I've seen plenty of times where Miles Murphy was outplayed by Brissy. Yeah. I I I got to be sold a little bit more to for these guys at eight. Now that's not saying they're going to take them. That they're not going to take them. That's also not saying that I'm also not going to be you know optimistic if those guys were to selection at eight. It's just me saying, hey, they're take they took these guys or these guys are in consideration, but. I, I'm a little okay. It, for them to be at eight, they need to be the best pass rusher on the team at some point. Yeah. That means they need to be better than Abiketti. They need to be better than D'Angelo Malone. They need to be the best pass rusher on the roster at some point in their career. Maybe not the rookie year, but they need to be the guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. And I'm guessing if they do go for Nolan Smith, they, it would be because they envision a more versatile role for him, playing some off-ball, playing some uh, edge. I, I, rem- I remember seeing, um, I think it was maybe Thor Nystrom, who who actually is, uh, I just recorded a pod with that's going to come out on Friday, uh, talking up uh, Nolan Smith as like Hassan Reddick, similar player to that. Um who was is a very you know pat I I do think Nolan Smith's like a drastically better run defender than than Reddick was especially coming out but as a guy who who started off as more of a linebacker then became more of a pass rush specialist at edge now Nolan Smith has played almost entirely at edge so he'd have to learn more of the linebacker stuff but really good athlete you know you certainly and and you love the work ethic and I've never seen a mm-hmm. 240 pound edge rusher defend the run as well as him. I mean, he defends the run better than miles Murphy at 270. So, um, you know, he does have like immediate starting value and probably you get him involved as a, as an off ball linebacker too, but the pass rush is, is still a projection with him. So that, you know, I, I could definitely, I think the buzz with him is legitimate that they do like him and you can see why, right? Cause he's just like, he, he will ace every interview. His football character is off the charts, like maybe the best in the class. Like a prototype um, of a room guy. Like yeah. I, I, I can definitely see him leading a lot of pregame huddles. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And the Falcons like, care about that. We've, we've, we've heard Fontenot yeah. talk about that. So that that's might be why they do value him higher. And look, I, I understand that. Like when you get a guy like that, you're, if they don't hit their ceiling, it's not gonna be because they didn't work their ass off. So you know, I, I do appreciate that angle. Um, and I, I think you, you generally get a pretty safe player when you go for that. But at eight, mm-hmm. you know, there's the question of, is there more talent available? And at edge, I think that we're sort of in, in the same vein as I think like Van Ness and Miles Murphy and Nolan Smith, you know, I, I think that's more of like the 10 to 25 range where those guys should go. I don't know that top 10 is really... In, in most classes where they should be slotted in. So 
I think we have similar thoughts to, to that value, but, um, good prospects all have their, their flashes. I mean, Miles Murphy and Lucas Van Ness, I mean, terrific flashes, just the consistency isn't there. I just feel like top 10, you're going to go after a guy that you already know who he's going to be or what he's going to be at the next level. You take a guy like Kyle Pitts, you've seen enough from Kyle Pitts at the collegiate level to know he can be arguably the best tight end in the league, potentially. You take a guy like Drake London, you saw him post up, you know, post 88 catches in what, uh, eight games mm-hmm. his last year at USC. You've seen enough to say, I know what he can be. That is what you're doing when you take a guy in the top 10. I don't know what type of defender nolan smith is going to be is he going to be one of those defenders that's just athletic more sound in the running game than you believe but he's only putting up six seven sacks a season or is he going to be is he going to be a guy that's going to get there to the next level he's going to add on 10 15 pounds and all of a sudden he's going to be throwing tackles left and right and he's putting up double digit sack seasons i don't know that that's and that's the concern like you said, that's that's better for 10 to 20, but top 10, I need to know who this guy is going to be in order to take him in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah, and it depends on the class, too. Like, there might be some years where it's just, like, the blue chip guys all go in the top five, six, or whatever. And this is a class that could be like that. Now, the fact that it has so many quarterbacks at the top is going to help a lot, but um, – it just depends on the, on the overall board too. Like sometimes you just may have to consider these type of guys in the top 10 when you might otherwise not. But I do think there are other options that I would prefer uh, at this spot. It's, it's, so, just like, it's just like last year. Yeah. It's just like last year. You'd be willing to take Jermaine Johnson at, at eight? Or would you just say, hey, you know what? I'd rather take the top guy at a different position. May not necessarily be a need, but at least I know what type of talent I'm adding to my roster. It's just like last year. They were wanting, they probably wanted Thibodeau, but Thibodeau was gone and it was either get your third best edge rusher or get the number one receiver. Yeah. No, I think it makes I mean, sense. Yeah. It's just, it's just like that. So do you go after Nolan Smith? Who's probably what? Probably. Yeah. The third best edge rusher at this point, or do you say, Hey, you know what? I'd rather get the top guy at another position. Right, and that position could be cornerback. Look at that seg, right? Uh, (laughs) With uh, Christian Gonzalez is one option. Devon Witherspoon is another. There's, I know, very passionate supporters of each one. I think both are are top 10 worthy. Um, I'm curious where you lean in in that debate, uh, and do you you think both of them would be appropriate selections at eight? I I wouldn't mind either one. Um, I've seen enough from either one, honestly, you know, Christian only gave one outstanding year at Oregon because um, he, he was a Colorado transfer. Weatherspoon has been a guy that's been around the program for a couple, for a few years. And, you know, I, I've seen him round out as a corner as well. I would not mind either option at eight. Um, I wish I wish I can take the mentality of Weatherspoon and put it in Christian Gonzalez. <laughs> yeah. And that will be damn near the perfect top three player yeah (laughs) that would be a dangerous cornerback and not to say christian gonzalez can't it's just there's some things there's some traits about witherspoon that i absolutely love and he's just he's he's he i 
you and I, we we discussed it a few years ago how much we really love Asante Samuel coming out and how Asante Samuel was just on a different level because of his mentality. Forget the size, but the the tape, what he showed in his head, in his mentality as a as that type of corner is exactly what we see in Weatherspoon. I'm like, man, he's going to I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't shy away from having him on the field and just talking smack every game, getting into a receiver's face every game. Like I will love that. But Christian Gonzalez is 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 he's 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 the a prototype corner right now. He's he he's already garnered some Patrick Sertan comparisons, and I don't think they're that far off. He's that athletic, he's that clean of a prospect. And I think right now, man, if you add him to that secondary, yeah, at at worst, that's a top ten cornerback duo, right? From yeah. day one, mm-hmm. at worst, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I I can't argue either way because I think if you look at Christian Gonzalez and you see just a really, really impressive twenty twenty two where he took a big step forward. Um, and it's not like he was a poor player prior to this season, but it, no. this was a big step forward, and you love to see that. Um, and look, the size looks, the game looks so easy yeah. to him. Yeah, the size, the the athleticism, and the coverage skills. I mean, it, he's not as clean as Devon Witherspoon, who is just sort of on another level, especially instinctually. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever seen Devon Witherspoon's one of the most instinctual corners I've ever seen. Like he, he's really special, so- and like. Um, so in that department, you're giving a nod to Witherspoon over. Yeah, and, and Press Man too. I mean, Witherspoon and Press Man. I think he was like statistically one of the best ever this season, like in Press Man. And so it, it depends on what the Falcons want. Now, I think the ceiling is higher with Gonzalez because of that prototypical size, because of that athleticism. I think you know Devon Witherspoon is clearly a great athlete too. He doesn't have the size profile. I mean, he's almost six foot, like I think almost thirty two inch arms. So he he's fine. He's like average sized, but he's not, you know, Christian Gonzalez six two, two hundred either. So um if you're looking for like pro ready day one starter opposite Terrell, then Witherspoon's probably the one you want to lean. But if you're looking for more of a longer term proposition, which this team probably would consider, like I think twenty twenty four is when they really want to be firing on all cylinders. Um I think Gonzalez makes a lot of sense too. So honestly, I think you could make a, a clean case for either one. And because of the presence of AJ Terrell, I think you could also make a case for either one because you could say, well, yeah. Terrell's going to cover the wide receiver one. So Gonzalez doesn't have to get thrown into that CB one role right away. And then you could yeah. also say that, well, you don't need the ceiling of a Gonzalez next to AJ Terrell because you already have a star corner in AJ Terrell. So you just need, if, if Witherspoon's just an elite CB two, then you're absolutely fine with that. So I think, but you could make a case for either one. Um, I think it just depends. Like what does Ryan Nielsen want to do? do? Do they want to be very press man heavy like the saints? In that case, they may actually prefer Witherspoon. Um, mm-hmm. If they want to be more versatile on the back end, they might prefer Gonzalez, but I mean, it, it they could go either way, and I, I don't think you can go wrong with either of those guys. That's why I've mocked no. both of them to the Falcons already. So no, you can't. I don't think you can go wrong either way. Um, you know, if you, I will say this though: adding Gonzalez to that secondary, man, as a whole, you're, you're talking about athleticism as a whole in that secondary. Even if you include like Mike Hughes in that equation as well, man, that yeah. is. 
that's an uber athletic secondary. And you can Gonzalez, Gonzalez allows you to be more versatile in the secondary, in my opinion. Yeah. Weatherspoon allows you to find a particular niche or a particular strategy or a particular approach that you want and allows you to stick to it. If press man is what you want to do and what you want to have across the board in this secondary, then Weatherspoon allows you to say, hey, you know what? This is what we're going to run and this is how we're going to run it. Gonzalez gives you an opportunity to have, you know, a layered secondary where you can attack in different formations and different different coverages. Um, yeah. So it, it just pick just pick your flavor. That's how I look at it. Yeah. No, I I think I do think one of those two is is what probably the most likely pick at eight. Um, because I think one of them will definitely be there. Um, you know, I've gone on record saying I think Christian Gonzalez is the most likely pick at eight, just based on whether or not he'll be there or not. But you know, it, it depends. A lot of it depends on what the Raiders do. Like if the Raiders take a quarterback, then the Falcons might have the choice of Tyree Wilson or Christian Gonzalez. Um, mm-hmm. If the Raiders don't take a quarterback, they're probably taking either Tyree Wilson or Christian Gonzalez. Uh, you know, maybe Witherspoon. We'll see. But um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But outside of corner and edge, which no, yeah. Did you have something else to add? Go ahead. Well, I, uh, I do anticipate four quarterbacks going in the top five. Yeah. It depends on who. It depends on on which team, because there's a possibility that someone can go up to three with Arizona and possibly push down Will Anderson. I'm not saying he's going to fall all the way to eight, but that may push down an extra prospect. So in other words, eight comes around, there may be a situation where Gonzalez and Tyree is available. Or it can be a situation where, you know, Arizona stays put, four quarterbacks stay there in the top five still, and then maybe one of those guys are still available. It depends. There's there's some activity that can happen that can change the trajectory of the Falcons draft. Yeah. Depending on how those quarterback situations shake out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, that is one of the more interesting to, things to watch going in. Um Outside of edge and corner, which are definitely the two most frequently mocked positions for the Falcons at eight, the next one we should talk about is Bijan, um, because I, I do think he deserves to be in that conversation of like most likely outcomes. And we've talked about why before, but you know, I know you were you were you know ha- there was something you were quoting before the show about you know how a lot of some some I think what was it scouts or executives a lot of scouts he's yeah. a, he's future Hall of Famer. I mean, it, and yeah, and that gets thrown around sometimes, and it's not ever fair to these players. But like, Bijan is viewed that highly by some people. Like, this is, I think, without a doubt, the the best running back prospect since Saquon. I think a lot of people have said that. Um, some people have said he's graded out higher than Saquon on their boards. So yeah, some people say he's better than Saquon. Some yeah. people have said he's the best running back prospect to probably come out since maybe LT. Honestly, yeah, I mean, it, it could be. I mean, so it's, it's a rare player. And I I think that's what people need to understand. And like, I think it, it, you look at, if you look at Bijan as just a running back, I think you're, you're, it's too reductionist because you look at his game against Alabama and you see the running stats, right? You're like, Oh, 21 for 57. That's not great. 
but he had three catches for like 75 yards and like two of them were almost house call just just receptions and they were just these crazy circus catches that he made um and you know he's he is a a special receiver and i think if you sort of peg him as just a running back you're not you're not really seeing the full picture of what he can bring like he is such a dangerous yards after catch threat like this man should be catching three to five or at least getting three to five targets a game minimum there are there are staffs there are coaches there are scouts that are honestly sitting here and saying that he is the best player in the draft you can sit here and frown at the fact that he's a running back but if coaches are saying as devalued as the running back position is, if coaches are saying that he's the best prospect in the draft, especially with the quarterbacks that are in this draft, what does that tell you? I mean, that tells you he he's not just a running back. Like he's a special player. Yeah. And people are really looking at him like he just he's just a regular running back. He's not, man. As as again. As devalued as the position is, he's coming into this draft in the eyes of some as the best player in the draft. And if not the best player, he's a top five player in the draft. Yeah, at worst. I haven't seen him lower than five on, on boards. So, At worst. So, I mean, that t- that tells you right there that teams recognize the, court, the running back position, but they still think this kid could be the best player in this draft. Like that. I don't see how you can frown at that and say no on a team that has been trying to build talent for so long. Like they're trying to build this roster to just add talent across the board. I don't see how you can look at them and just frown. I got a question for you, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Which prospects It's a two part question. Which defensive prospects do you feel, do you comfortably feel will be available at eight? And of those prospects, would you would you pull the trigger on Bijan on either or on any of them? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think the two that I would probably lean towards taking over Bijan would be like Tyree Wilson and and Christian Gonzalez. Um, but I think it's a fair question either way with that. Um, you know, I think with Christian Gonzalez, you're probably getting CB one, so I think that he's also very talented. Uh, mm-hmm. And then with Tyree Wilson, I think that they're going to really, they will see, they will see Tyree Wilson as their potential, like Cam Jordan of the future. And you can get him in here with Calais Campbell here to tutor him for a year. And it's like, there's no better. I mean, literally like look at Tyree Wilson, look at Calais Campbell, like those two guys, like that's the same role. Um, You know, if you're, if you're Tyree Wilson, you're hoping you can be Calais Campbell. So I couldn't think of a better player to mentor Tyree Wilson for a year and get him where he needs to be. And then maybe Calais comes back next year. That'd be cool. But if he doesn't, you've got Tyree Wilson ready to insert into that exact same role. And you, and I hopefully, you know, you don't miss a beat or Tyree Wilson's more like a earlier career Calais Campbell, which of course was one of the best defensive players in the NFL during his prime. So, um, mm-hmm. but I don't think, I think if you, the thing with, with Bijan, especially for this front office is that you could make the easy argument that, he's just the best player available, like period. So they, they, they would take him. I mean, and, and this the, Smith and Fontenot took Kyle Pitts at four. They took a tight end over a quarterback. Like 
there's no reason four. they wouldn't do that. Like, I mean, I, I would not be shocked at all, like, if they took Bijan. In fact, I think it's one of the more likely picks because of that. Like, we we know how they value these types of players. So They took a receiver over an obvious edge need last year. They took a receiver. Yep. So it's yeah. so to sit here and discount it as if it's just, you know, we're just we're just blowing smoke or whatever. Like it's no, this is the the reasons why we're we're trying to paint this picture is because A, we recognize what type of offense, what type of scheme is being ran. If this was a Kansas City Chiefs like offense, we wouldn't be sitting here saying take a running back at eight. We're, we're not we're no fools, Kevin. Like we we <laughs> kind of sort of know what we're talking about when it comes to that. Sometimes we yeah. recognize we recognize it's a run oriented <laughs> offense. So that's why we're making that case. Secondly, we're also making the case because we recognize the fact that this team wants to truly get into a BPA strategy in the draft. They've said it countless times. The offseason has played out in a certain way where it definitely looks like, hey, they may actually be going BPA early at least. Like, we're, it's, it's really, it's, to me, it's a possibility. Um, and, and I can't, I can't sit here and frown at it, man. Like, you're adding a guy that a lot of people say is the best player in the draft. How can you honestly sit here and say no simply because it's a running back position? Like, yeah. Okay. Right. Do you want to be a a talented team across the board or do you want to just, you know, hit your needs every year? They already right. they already said they don't want to use the draft for needs. They already they've said made that. it clear and they've done it pretty much every every like the, we've only seen two so far, but I think they've lived their truth uh, so far in that yeah. regard. Now, there's a lot of argument over who the BPA actually is, and that's part of the right. thing with this is that you know they're going to go off their board, which may not is probably not going to match our board or anyone else's board because every NFL team is going to be a little bit different. But mm-hmm. you know. Bijan, I, I think he is a really special talent. Um, and you know, someone in the chat mentioned you know comparing him to to Debo. Um, and I'm I was mentioning that to Eric before the show, and I I pulled up their RAS comparisons. Uh, so Bijan Robinson five eleven two fifteen, Debo Samuel five eleven two fourteen at the combine. So same body type, same arm length within like a quarter of an inch, same hand size, all that stuff. Uh, Bijan was faster, four four six to Debo's four four eight, but both are very fast. Uh, Bijan mm. was much quicker, so much better, twenty yard split and ten yard split. Split. Um, however, Debo did have a better vert by two inches, but uh, Bijan had a better broad by two inches. So you know, pretty similar jumps. But like in terms of athletically, they're very similar prospects. Um, now I think D- Bijan's going to be more of a runner than Debo. Um, mm-hmm. so don't, don't look at Debo as like, that's exactly what the role is going to be. I would say Bijan is just like Christian McCaffrey, but like two inches taller and like 15 pounds heavier, you know? So like mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey with like a prototypical, prototypical, like workhorse back build. Uh, mm-hmm. so, and like, I mean, sign me up <laughs> for, I mean, you look at the impact that he's had in the passing game and he basically carried the, the 49ers on his back. Uh, as much as he could, so like he was, he was. No one's going to sit here and convince me that that trade for McCree didn't really 
it didn't do much for that 49ers offense. No, it did wonders for that team. It did wonders. And again, this is an offense and, and people want to, I, I, I have to be honest when I say this, man, like it grinds my gears. Like I really like, like it, <laughs> let it, it out, it, let it out. Yeah. It, like it hurts. <laughs> it even hurts my teeth when I hear people say they have Tyler Algier. They're fine at running back. That bothers that bothers me because that's the type of thinking that got Thomas Dimitrov fired. Like that's the type of complacency that got that gets GMs and teams in trouble. That's how you stay in mediocrity because you frown at adding difference making talent simply because you feel you're okay there. Like yeah. if they I like Tyler Algier, don't get me wrong. But he's a fifth rounder. Okay. He's coming off a season where he had what? I think he had a little bit over 250 carries. Behind him is a 32 year old wide receiver that plays running back. That's on the final year of his deal. And behind him is an undrafted free agent that had an Achilles injury at the end of the year. Late in the season. Yeah. He's probably not going to play at least till halfway through the year, I would imagine. So you say that they are fine at running back. Like that's so that's that's lazy. That is so lazy to me. Yes. It really is. They're not in any way fine. Now, they don't need Bijan. Like they don't need Bijan, but like, you know, they, they don't have to spend a first round pick on a running back necessarily to fill that need behind Algier. But like, don't try to pretend people that they don't need running back because they do. Um yeah. so I mean but as much as I love Cordell, he's hit the wall the last two years, late in the season. Yes, he needs to be a rotational guy and let him return kicks. Like he's still a great kick returner. Yeah, let him return kicks. Yeah, yes. I I can't keep banking on him being Cordell because he he's as much as I love him, he's shown that he can't necessarily carry a full season worth of carries. He's hit the wall the last two years, late in the season. Yeah. I, the other thing about Algier that's really interesting with this Bijan pairing is like the one thing I think you could nitpick with Bijan is that like he doesn't necessarily go between the tackles. He doesn't run with the most power. I mean, he's fine, but he doesn't, he's not like a guy that's going to bowl people over. He's more a guy that's going to break your ankles and, you know, fly down the field. And he's cer- he's certainly fine in short yardage, but it's not his like biggest strength. Tyler Algier is like the perfect compliment. Because exactly that's exactly what Algier does. He just he's a yards after contact monster, uh, and like you can soften up the defense with Bijan running all over them, and then you can bring in Algier to get ten to fifteen carries to close it out and just grind teams to dust. So like this is a perfect pairing. Like I I don't I, like you couldn't ask for a better complementary pair than those two. Like they complement each other really well. Uh, so I get it? Don't get it? I don't get it. I have, I see people say no to Bijan. But they're literally clamoring for number for for Smith and Jigba or Quentin oh Johnson. <laughs> How they're not How better offensive saying, prospects. Yeah. In a run-oriented offense, in an offense that's going to run the ball between 55 and 60% of the time, you're saying no to a running back, but you're saying yes to another receiver. Right. I mean, and the whole Jackson Smith and Jigba thing is like they don't use a slot receiver. So like you're, you're either going to use him 
on 25% of snaps in the slot, which is nowhere near enough to justify that sort of investment. Or you're going to ask him to convert to outside and play outside, which maybe he could do. I mean, it's what Justin Jefferson did, but like, I don't want to spend. Well, it's like, I don't want to make like he, he is so good in the slot. Like, I don't want to draft him in the top 10 to make him play a different position. It doesn't make any sense. Like maybe he can play outside some too, but like, I'm not doing that and making him change change positions in the top ten. It's just not worth it. And I, and I looked and I looked at last year's numbers. The number two receiver in terms of targets was uh, Zacchaeus. With I believe he had 61 targets last year. Yeah. Number three was Pitts with 59, and that's with him missing seven games. Yeah. So you mean to tell me? And they were also 31st in the league last year in pass attempts. Yeah. I look. I like Ritter, but. They're probably going to be no better than what twenty fifth this year in pass attempts. Yeah, I mean they'll, the, they'll it'll be more, but yeah, I mean not that much. It ain't gonna be. It's not gonna be that much more. Yeah, like yeah. the number two receiver in terms of targets has sixty one. So you you say this year, okay, Hits comes back, gives them a full season. Drake yeah. develops. You add Johnu Smith. That number two receiver may get seventy targets. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Maybe. And you want to invest the top 15 pick in that? Right. I mean, you look at, if you go back to like 2019, 2020 Titans, which is like when Arthur Smith's offense was running, you know, at a very high level. I I, I hesitate to say at its ceiling because I think the offense that he's building here in Atlanta can be better, like a lot Mm -hmm. better if they, if this all comes together because they have a lot more weapons. Um, Yep. But in 2019, it was... 31st in passing attempts. Now they were still a good pass offense because they were seventh in yards per attempt. So that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2020, they were 30th in pass attempts. And again, seventh in yards per attempt. So like, even when Tannehill was bombing it for like a ridiculous yards per attempt number, they still were, were not throwing the ball that much. Like that's just that when your running game is that good, you don't need to. Um, so, uh, and you, and and to get a, a pass catcher three years in a row with those type of yeah passing totals like that that doesn't make yeah. a whole lot of sense. To me. And uh, yeah, and I, I think like he probably learned from his time there that they need to throw the ball more than that. Like you can't really like you want to have a better passing attack than that. But like I still don't think they're going to be pushing ahead of like twentieth in passing attempts. Like especially yeah. if the defense yeah. is good. If the defense sucks, then yeah, the passing tens might go way up. We'll see. But <laughs> I, I said, I said you're, you're being nice. I said 25th. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, like that's, that may be extra 40 or 50 pass attempts to spread out throughout the entire season. Maybe I don't know. Like that's, it's yeah. not going to be a whole lot. And to yeah. get a guy, to get a guy like Quentin Johnston in, you know, in the top 10 or trade back and get him in the top 15, and and you you know this fan base, Kevin. Okay, <laughs> that number two receiver is going to have forty something cat, forty five, fifty catches, seven hundred yards, three or four touchdowns, and they're going to say he's a bust. And I wonder why they're going to say he's a bust <laughs> because he was drafted in the first round. Well, guess what? That number two receiver, in all likelihood, ain't getting a thousand yards this year. Yeah, and I, I I don't even I don't even like the whole, in this offense. I don't even like the whole wide receiver one wide receiver two thing is I rather just look at it as who's going to get the most targets. Who's yeah. That's what you have to run. do. Yeah. Because they, you, they throw the ball to the tight end so much. You have to look at it in terms of who is the targets, like Drake and Kyle Pitts, one and two targets. Then yeah. 
you know, John, right now, John, yeah. Mac Hollins, yeah. like, you know, so yeah. like whoever they would draft would be like the number three target at best. Cause they're not getting ahead at, of at London best. or Pitts. So it's like, are you really drafting your number three passing game target at eight? Like, at eight. yeah, it's not that, necessary. Or 15. And maybe if this was like, maybe if this was like an 11 heavy offense, like the Bengals, that's going to be throwing the ball all over the yard, then it's like, okay, well, your number three pass catcher is playing like 75% of the snaps. So like they need to be out there and you need to have a great one. But like it's for this offense, it's just like, mm, it's not necessary. Like you you need a good one, but. But why not take a guy that can pretty much give you 15 to 20 touches per game. Yeah. Like, like why not? Yeah. I mean, who, I don't, and we've talked about it. Like no one's going to give you more touches and more production at eight than Bijan. Like there's no one else. that's going to beat that. No one, not even close. No, so, not, and like, you know, so if you don't like it because of the value thing, that's fine. Um, you know, I, I understand the reservations, but, uh, Look, that if they really are committed to this Ritter thing, which it seems like they are, they're clearly deciding that whatever the NFL's doing as a whole, we've decided that we're going to try something different. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But like stop trying to view the Falcons through the lens of the rest of the NFL. Like, oh, well the rest of the NFL has a bunch of receivers and runs 11 personnel 75% of the time and, you know, they don't draft running backs early. Well, the Falcons directed a tight end at 4 a wide receiver at eight, and then maybe a running back at eight. And maybe it'll work, and they'll look like geniuses, and maybe they'll fall flat on their face. But they don't really care about what the rest of the NFL is doing. And maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be bad. We certainly don't know from where we're sitting, but we can only talk talk you through the, the potential picks. And I don't think Bijan would be a bad pick because anytime you can add a star-caliber talent to your team, you should do it. Like... And I think he's the safest bet. <laughs> Certainly the safest bet. You'll get at eight. Um, so, look, you get Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, three stars. And then either Desmond Ritter is it, and you're you're looking like complete geniuses next year, or you go into next year's draft with three stars on your offense, or probably a really good offensive line. Maybe you still need a left guard. Maybe you still need a center. But you got three positions pretty much locked down. Then you can go out and spend this ridiculous sum to get your quarterback. Like, if if it if it's still necessary, and maybe it will be. Um, and honestly, I think you'll probably have a better chance at Lamar next year than you would this year. So, <laughs> hey, Lamar, you want to play with Bijan, Drake, and Kyle Pitts? Hell yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, it, you get all that in here, you're not going to have trouble luring you know someone in free agency or you know convincing someone to come here via trade. Um, so we'll see. We'll because because and everybody wants to sit here and address the whole needs thing. They get they need an edge. They need a corner. We get that. I understand that. Um, but you know, if you want to play, if, if I want to play devil's advocate here, you know, um, first of all, you don't necessarily need to spend a first rounder to build a defense. You can build a defense the other way. How many first rounders are on Cincinnati's defense? Not that many, right? I'll wait. Um, not that many. Yeah. How, how many first rounders on the D? I, I'll wait. Yeah. It's not that Dax, Dax Hill, maybe. That's it. What other first rounders they have on there? They built their defense in free agency and they added depth to their defense over the years. That's how they became a sound defense. 
Yeah. They didn't out there. And, and if we want to sit the track record for first rounders on defense for this team has not been great. <laughs> yeah. You know, we haven't, we haven't gotten a glimpse of that with this regime yet. Right. So like the possibilities no. are endless, but um, yeah. at some point I'm sure they will take a defender in the first round, but I don't think right. they have to do it. Like, they shouldn't feel like they have to take a position because fans want it or because like, well, we took offense the last two drafts. So we have to take defense. No, like that's so arbitrary. Like I wouldn't want my team making decisions off of something as arbitrary as that. Like pick the best player for your team. How do you, how do you not know that they're they're going to sit here and say, Hey, you know what? Yannick Ngakwe is still available. Let's sign him after the draft. He's, he's still out on the market. Let's sign him after the draft. You bring in a corner, like, um, like Peely Ringo or Eli Ricks in the second round, who's to say that can't be a really good defense going forward? Because it right. can. Yeah. But the only way it can be good is if they take Tyree Wilson <laughs> or Christian Gonzalez. All right, whatever, man. There's there's multiple ways to to build a team, especially defense. Exactly. So um, exactly. they they can do it. They they can find other top players. Uh, and and this is honestly a really good edge and corner class. Last year, for instance, like, yeah, it was like once you got out of the top, you know, first couple guys, it was like, oh, I don't know how much I like Edge anymore. Um, And there were still some good players to be had, like Ebicady and stuff in the second round. But like this year, I would say the strength of Edge and corner is on that corner is basically all top 100. You can get corners anywhere in the top 100. But like Edge is like Will Anderson, big gap. Or Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, big gap, you know, Murphy, Lucas Van Ness, Nolan Smith, big gap, you know, Derek Hall, you know, the other second rounders. So, um, I like Derek. I like Derek. Yeah, I like Derek Hall too. So, like, they will have a lot of choices at 44 for edge rushers. You know, Tuli Tupalatu, I I just mocked them the other day. Isaiah Foskey seems to be falling into the second round now. Um, They'll have options there if they want to go edge. At a bar out of Northwestern. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Um, so Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Like, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot yeah. of guys. Someone's gonna be there yeah. at 44. And corner's yeah. even deeper. Like corner, I think. Yeah. Like if you don't get one yeah. at eight, I think you wait till the third round because there's just so many. There's gonna be somebody left, and maybe yeah. it's Garrett, Garrett Williams, as yeah. I mentioned, Eli Ricks, um, Caillou Blue, uh, yeah, Brent, uh, yeah, Julius yeah. Brent. Yep, yep. Um, there's there's going to be names out there, man. Yep. There's going to Darius be Darius Rush. <laughs> Darius Rush, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> Keely could fall. Yeah, Keely DJ Kofol. Turner's been falling too. Strangely, I'm DJ shocked by Turner, that. That's another under the radar guy. I can't like, like I can't believe he's falling like into the third round in some mocks. Like I think he went 69 in Jordan Reed's mock, and it was like, wow, I can't believe he's still available. I think it's because the last time we saw him. Quentin Johnston was cooking him. him yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he's he's not the type of corner you should be matching up on Quentin Johnston, to be fair. Like he's not. Yeah. He's not. So he's not. that's what we have AJ Terrell for. Yeah. That's all Michigan had. That's yeah. the best Michigan had. So they had no yeah. choice. Yeah. So. No. No. DJ Turner is the guy you match up on Tyreek Hill, not the guy you match up on Julio Jones, you know. So <laughs> but yeah. hey. But there's, there's so many good ones. I mean, we, we named just a few. So um, I think you could get an edge. You could take Bijan at eight, get an edge at 44, and take a corner at 75 and be very happy yeah. and have three starters. Let's, like, if you take the right ones. Play, you know? <laughs> let's play football. 
Yeah. You give me give me Deshaun and Derek Hall and then come back and get Garrett Williams in the third round. Let's play football. Yeah. Syracuse, let's, let's, let's start, go. Garrett Williams. Let's, yeah. let's start the season right now. Let's, yeah. let's I'm excited. And like I think that's yeah. a very likely outcome, you know, with the first three picks. Now, there we should talk other positions too. You know, we should, eventually we're just okay. gonna do a whole show on Bijan and just admit that we can't stop talking about Bijan and he's just, worthy you know, of it. Yeah, he he's is. Worthy. He is, but um other positions that they that could be dark horse at eight. Offensive line is one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think about I think it's a lower Especially with with Caleb McGarry coming back, it's lower on the priority list. But they really haven't added anything at left guard. Now, maybe it's not eight. Maybe it's 44 or 75. But what do you think about offensive line early, potentially? I I would say more so second or third round because I think the only option you would have at eight would be Skaronsky. And it would be a situation where you're taking him and you're kicking him to eight. Again, it's one of those situations where where does value come into play? Because Skronsky is a great prospect, don't get me wrong, but essentially you're drafting a guard at eight. Yeah. Essentially. And he does have tackle flexibility. I, I really don't think that's some a place you want him full-time in the NFL. Just It's not like his arms are like slightly below thresholds. They're like an inch and a half below thresholds. So it, it's it's not like he can't do it, but I, I, I think he's going to struggle against certain types of players pretty much universally. So... Um, I think that's his best position at the next level. But again, it's it's the fact that you're taking a guard at eight. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, if you want to, if for some people they want to sit here and say, "Hey, he's BPA," uh, okay. All his right. tape is if really a, good. I mean, <laughs> if, if, a, if a guard is BPA for you at eight, then if you're I willing really... to take Skaronski at eight, you should be willing to take Bijan at eight. Like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're willing to take a guard, like come on. Like. I need to see your draft board. It's like really- it's like two. It's like the the opposite ends of the sexy spectrum. Like running back I, at eight, you know, Bijan yeah. would be really sexy. Maybe not the best value, yeah. but then like you know, guard at eight's like completely unsexy. Also, probably not the best value, but like right. both, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, but, I don't uh, get it. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, to me, I would go Paris Johnson because we've seen him play guard really well, and he he does have that prototype tackle build. So, like, I think I could justify Paris Johnson because the idea would be that you draft him, he plays left guard for one to two years, maybe he moves to right tackle. If, if, you know, Caleb McGarry isn't living up to the deal because you can get out of his deal after, I think, year two easily. Um or maybe Matthews is starting to slow down a bit. You want to either he want either he's ready to retire or you want to save some money or whatever. And then Paris Johnson kicks over to left tackle and he's your left tackle of the future, ideally. Like that long term arc where he does eventually become your left tackle, kind of like an Elkton Jenkins or whatever. I mean, that that could justify it a little bit more. But I, you know, I also want to see those that are like, give me edge rusher or die. You know, they have that mentality. Like, I got to get a defensive player. I wonder what their reaction would be if they took all this eight. They'd be like, I'm oh, yes, yeah, we're building the trenches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, if anything, it's like you should you see the Falcons like sign Elijah Wilkinson off the street for vet minimum and get starting caliber play. Then he got hurt, so Matt Hennessy comes in, gets you know low end starting caliber play, 
Then he gets hurt. Colby Gusset comes in, gets, you know, low-end starting caliber play. Like, maybe they just can make it work at left guard. Like, I don't love it, but, like... They've been, they've been speaking fairly favorable about Hennessy yes. and Coleman as of late. So, I don't know. Like, maybe this team is low-key trying to tell you, hey, guys, we're probably not going offensive line that early. I mean, just, just a hunch. Yeah. Just a hunch. I, to me, it's, like, maybe 44 like like I much rather 44 seems a lot better and and yeah. I already know the first guy on your mind already John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota JMS baby yeah we, it's, you know it's, J- JSN no JMS is what we're going <laughs> like that's yeah that is that is he's the number one center prospect in the yeah. draft he's not gonna last that long but he he may not last that long a, yeah. a guy Joe like Tipman? Cody Mock yeah Cody Mock Joe, Joe Tipman I like a lot Cody Cody Mock. Um, apparently he put up some not, ridiculous three cone today or, or yesterday yes. or something like that. Yeah. Not, not the prettiest looking offensive lineman, but you know what? I don't need him to be. I, I don't the, need him to be. When he's got the face mask on, you can't even see the teeth. All you can see is those hey, beautiful locks coming out the back of the helmet. Hey, look, he's going to make some money. <laughs> I'm going to get some veneers. It is I don't know. I, I think he should keep it. I think it makes him I look more intimidating. Yeah. That's what I want my offensive lineman to look like. Absolutely. Yeah. Rugged, physical. That kid, and he's played everywhere. He yeah. he was recruited to North Dakota State as a tight end, but eventually throughout his entire career, he's played every single offensive line spot. Yeah, yeah, played so, center at the Senior Bowl. wasn't wasn't necessarily pretty, but he he did snap the ball. It wasn't he, awful, he looked, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and if this team is, is stressing versatility, then I I don't know a more versatile lineman in the draft. I'm, he may actually be the most versatile lineman in the draft. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I I like Cody Mock. I I think you know Tipman Mock are are two Tipman. guys are are at forty four that you could see. Tipman's a big big. Oh stout yeah, center. that's the biggest center I've ever seen. He's like six six. Six six three oh five three ten yeah. something like that. He's a big boy. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love I love me some big centers, man. And like maybe that's he so- plays left guard for a year if they really like Drew Dalman. I don't know, maybe. but maybe he's certainly big enough. <laughs> right, but. Right. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I do think offensive line is one to, to consider. I don't mm-hmm. think wide receiver at eight is happening. I would just tell people don't even bother. Now, I've said th- I said that last year, too. But I did admit, you know, that Drake London was a possibility late in the process. I eventually admitted it. But um, I don't think it's really a thing this year. This wide receiver yeah. class is not as good. Um, but wide receiver on day two could be a big thing. Um, do you have yeah. any like day two wide receivers that you really like? Oh man. Um, uh, um, every time I'm asked this question, there's one guy that comes to mind first and he may not even be the best guy at 44, but the first name that comes to mind every single time, Keishon Boutte out of LSU. Man, he tested so it's... bad. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Yeah. Um, so bad to the point where he may be available around three. Oh no, he's going to be a day three guy, I think. But some people are really uh, high on him. I mean, he had that one really good year, but yeah, I don't think he's going to last that long. Um, if there's if there's anyone if there's anyone in reasonable um, reasonable range at forty four, man, you know, I know Jalen Hyatt is one that's tossed out there a lot. Um, a guy that can come in and be. Um, a speed, a deep threat form, even though they already signed Scott Bay Miller. Um, 
uh, there are other guys that come to mind, like uh, A.T. Perry as well, out of Wake yeah. Forest. He definitely Six fits five, the, the Arthur Smith, yeah. Yeah, Um, You know, one guy that is a sleeper, Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Oh, that's Miss. not a sleeper, buddy. We're, we're Mingo all day here on this show. <laughs> that's not a sleeper, yeah. You, know. I, if you haven't watched this thing. Watch his tape. And convince me that you're not going to walk away thinking this is AJ Brown. Yeah, this is. I mean, abs- do you see his like testing? Nine nine seven RAS nine nine seven. Six almost six two two twenty. This is like he's yeah. bigger than Bijan. Yeah. And uh, jumped almost forty inches in the vert yeah. and ran a four four six. Yeah. For a guy <laughs> his size, for a guy yeah. his size, his yak ability is. Is so impressive. Yeah. Normally, you would see those type of big receivers. You know, they get tackled early. You know, they get tackled right after the catch, and nope. they may drag a defender or two. No, he is—he's someone like in the open field. He can break it. He's okay. not a speed guy, but he's just one of those like he's tough to bring down. And he—I can see him breaking a few tackles and picking up an extra fifteen yards. Yeah, he's fast um, enough. Yeah, he's fast enough. Right. Yeah. He's fast enough. Um. But yeah, those those are a couple of names that come to mind. Josh Downs, another guy as well. Um, Zay Flowers, some of the smaller receivers that you know it, it depends on how they want to be utilized. They can they can definitely add a wrinkle to the offense in terms of just you know adding the the concept of jet sweeps and things of that nature, just getting the ball in their hands and getting them in space. Um, as well, um, so yeah, so those are just a few names that come to mind for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, I, Mingo is a big target. Like I would have Mingo's name circled. Like the one thing that you look at, you know, when evaluating receivers is obviously, can they catch the football? But when you're scouting receivers for Arthur Smith's offense, what you should be looking at is can they run block and goddamn can Jonathan Mingo run block? <laughs> this man is mauling people out there. Uh, you know, that's not the most important thing when you're evaluating day two receivers, obviously, but um he he checks that box plus 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 as a run blocker and uh just also a really good receiver so that that helps but he fits mm-hmm. that mold uh Jaden Reed from Michigan State another third round you know i think this i think i'm sort of leaning more towards third round for for receiver just based on what they need yeah. but so i think mingo yeah. you mentioned tyler scott jaden reed from michigan state um makes a ton of sense not doesn't have the huge size but you know He's going to play outside, and look, they have Matt Collins, they have Kyle Pitts, they have Trey London. Not everybody on that receiving core has to be 6'2", okay? Some of them can be Not like 6'0". No. It's okay. It's all Not right. Yeah, I mean, they, they have Scotty Miller in there. He's 5'10", right? So yeah. He's worked with Adam Humphreys before, so I mean, yeah. he's, he's yeah. not the biggest receiver. No, so. no, it's a he's, misnomer that like player. Arthur Smith refuses to to have receivers that are like shorter than six one. But um, so th- there's a lot of guys there. Let's talk real quick about like some of the more like crazy outcomes like Darnell Washington at 44 that that one I think is is worth discussing or Darnell Washington or Michael Mayer because occasionally you'll see these guys drop now for any other offense much like the Bijan conversation for any other offense you would never consider drafting a tight end two, you know at 44 but for this offense you might consider it what do, what do you think about unlikely that either one of them falls but two first round caliber tight ends in a two tight end offense. That's going to be pretty, you know, 
heavily using those guys. What do you think about that potential? Now, you know, you don't have to love it. You don't have to support it, but I'm curious what you think about that. <laughs> you hate it that much? <laughs> you mean to tell me we're speaking up adding another damn tight end to this roster Look, and saying you can never have not- too many. Don't understand. I don't understand the thinking. Okay. What's funny is today I saw a mock that projected the Falcons trading down to 17 with okay. the Steelers. Okay. I'm in. Getting Bijan. I'm I'm in. I'm in. Yep. And in the process, they picked up the 32nd overall pick. And guess who they used the 32nd overall pick on? Darnell Washington. Yes. I love it. Let's let's ride. You do? Well, if was John Michael Schmitz there? Because if he was there, I'd probably go JMS, but Yes, at 32nd? Yeah, yes. he probably was there. I mean, I would yeah, I mean look, it's not the pick I would make, but like Darnell Washington's like the perfect tight end too for this offense. Like now it's completely unnecessary and ridiculous. But look, sometimes you have to be unnecessary and ridiculous in this league, Eric, okay? Like sometimes you just gotta chalk it up. You know, but uh, no, I mean, would, what about Michael Mayer? Because everyone's talking about Darnell Washington because he's the UGA tight end. But Michael Mayer, I think, would have more of a legitimate, like, this guy is actually... Now, Darnell Washington can be a effective receiving tight end. He just hasn't been a high-volume receiving tight end. Michael Mayer has been a tight end one and probably should be a tight end one in the NFL. What do you think about the idea of, like... Mayer's also a really good blocker. He's not as good as Darnell Washington, but he's one of the best blockers in the class. You move Kyle Pitts more, more permanently to outside, and Michael Mayer is then your tight end in most sets. What do you think about that? We don't even need the wide receiver now. We just Kyle Pitts is wide receiver too. I just feel so disrespected <laughs> by, by being told that me thinking Bijan is a terrible pick. This is a someone- separate conversation. Someone talking up another tight end early. I feel so like I feel so disrespected. I don't know that maybe there are some people that have those two thoughts in their head at the same time that Bijan is a bad. I get. I I'm not like that, but yeah. I had someone in the space the other in my in one of my spaces the other day that literally said that they were down on Bijan, but they were trying to convince me that Darnell Washington is going to add something to this offense. You got to be kidding me. Like you have to be. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I believe it. That is, that is ridiculous. Um, because at this point we're just talking about like making crazy additions to the offense that look, I think both make sense. I mean, I think Bijan, we talked about it to death, right. In this episode makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. I think with mayor, like where, where I land on that is with mayor. I think you could make the clear case that like this man has no business being on the board at 44. He's the best player. Like we use two tight ends. We, they don't necessarily need a wide receiver too. They need more receiving targets. And like, I think you can make the case that Michael Mayer is a better blocker than Parker Hesse also. So like, even if you're going to run traditional 12 with Kyle Pitts as one tight end and, and Michael Mayer as another, like he's going to play above, above Hesse. And like, I, like I said, like maybe you move Pitts more outside permanently where he's spent a lot of time already. And Michael Mayer just plays your inline tight end for you. Uh, why not? You know? And then it, it's like, you, you, it's sort of like 
he almost functions like you're adding a wide receiver in some ways because you're allowing Kyle Pitts to take on a more prominent wide receiver-like role. Um, but only because he is such... Like, people think about Michael Mayer, and they're like, oh, he's a great receiver. It's like, yeah, he is, but, like, he's also a really good blocker. Like, he he is really good, so... To me, that will almost eliminate the need of a receiver in the draft. Right, it would be like a day three pick at that point, if you do that. Late day three. Like, I'm, we're getting him for special teams. Yeah, I mean, like, like fifth round, would, maybe, depending... I mean, it, it probably depends almost, on who's there, yeah. It would almost eliminate the need for one because I'm like, you're, if you're getting a tight end that high, you have to give all three of these guys a considerable amount. Of, yeah. John who too. Yeah. yeah. Him. So John who Kyle and whoever that third tight end, you, you're ha- you have to give all three of them a considerable amount along with Drake, along with, you know, having, having a deep threat in Scotty Miller and having like, Bijan, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's almost no I feel like I feel like there's no need there's absolutely no need to sit here and go that route if you're going to get a third tight end a tight end three in this particular offense because to be honest with you Kevin I don't know how you feel about it I'm not necessarily in love with this whole let's just kick Kyle out to X receiver yeah I I'm mean not in, yeah I mean I, still I talk- I, he does play a lot outside. I I think that he should play both, like outside and tight end role. And like they're clearly trying to get him more inline reps too because they've improved his blocking. So, um, I'm not like super serious about them taking tight end at 44. But like I think if Michael Mayer is there, you have to have the conversation just because there's not really he really shouldn't be on the board at that point. I don't, I don't think he will be. But um. I think I think at that point he's the best receiver, like period, that's going to be on the board at forty four. So, um, maybe if but, he's there, uh, yeah, I don't think he will be. I don't think he will be. But uh, much more likely they take a corner, they take edge, they take interior offensive line there, um, <laughs> then they take another tight end. Look, we love we love tight ends here. Okay, they they can't possibly get enough. They had five on the roster last I, year, Eric. They had five damn. for like the whole season. Much? Yeah. Do we love him that much? But then maybe we could say goodbye to Felipe Franks, which I think would make some people extremely happy. So maybe that would be worth it just from that angle. We could say goodbye to Felipe now. (laughs) Without, I'm sorry, Felipe. I'm sorry. Without drafting another one. Yeah. We should say goodbye to him now. They they might. They probably will. (laughs) I mean, they're going to bring in some UDFAs, right? (laughs) Why they haven't yet, I don't know. Whatever yeah. I would have, <laughs> so that should sell you on Michael Mayer right now because then we get to, you know, <laughs> no. but uh, matter of no, fact, that... you know what? Let's give him double zero this season as well. Let's take away the <laughs> there. We go, season. yeah, you get double zero. There we go, you earn no. your number. Now that's Eddie Goldman's new number, double zero. So let's go, really? Oh, yeah, oh, that'll be ugly. I don't it has to be that. your I, nose I tackle. It has to be the nose tackle. Zero. I don't mind zero. But double zero? Double zero is for horrible. nose tackles. That's that's what that is. I feel is. like double zero needs to be for long snappers. <laughs> Only. <laughs> like, like zero is fine. Yeah. Zero is fine. Like if a nose tackle is like, yo, I'm wearing number zero. All right. You know what? I can get with that. Double yeah. zero? Ugh. Double zero has to be somebody like, I think like 330 minimum requirement for double zero. That needs to be in the rules. <laughs> 
because that's a thick number right there that's a thick number so yeah that's that's nasty (laughs) all right guys well that that's enough you know numbers talk we'll save that for the dead zone uh pod but yeah guys uh appreciate everyone for hanging out tonight please do like and subscribe if you're watching on the youtube if you're listening to the podcast audio leave us that five star review check out the patreon patreon.com slash falcoholic live if you haven't done so already we do have some exciting giveaways we're going to be running during the uh draft party which for those of us those of you that are not familiar we do a live draft show do it during all three nights of the nfl draft um so i'll be talking a lot of course but we will also be uh having a giveaway courtesy of george costanza we'll be giving away uh nfl shop gift cards um so you guys can go out and buy you know your your first round pick jersey if, if that is what you so choose to do but you know once you have it you you know, it's easier than me so. shipping you the jersey. But you know, so. <laughs> but uh, one of those, one of those will be. Oh, you you're, you're using one should go to you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah should go to Bijan. Yeah, yeah. When I get well, Bichon, if, if, yeah, I mean, if Bijan, if Bijan's the pick, then I'm going to use the money to buy me a jersey. So you know, <laughs> we'll just mysteriously that one will go Bichon? missing. So yeah. Could we could we get Bijan number one? Mary zero is not using it anymore. Can yeah, Bijan gets zero. What are you talking zero? about? He can't wear one? He could wear one. That's fine. If he wants. I don't know what he wants. Maybe seven. Well, Koo's seven. So Whatever number, whatever number you want, Bijan. You yeah. pick it. It's, I, imagine it's he'd, I imagine he'd go for zero. Cause it, that, he might. The first zero in franchise history and all that. I mean, I, I, and maybe. He might. I, that's what I would do. He's probably not, a good chance he's probably not getting five, however. No, unless, I think Drake Lennon's well, going to keep five. But. Unless. You know, Franks is gone. Drake gets his 15 back from, from USC. <laughs> I think if Drake Bijan wanted 15, I think if Drake wanted 15, he would have got 15 last year. So. <laughs> I don't think they were going to let Felipe Franks take Drake London's jersey number. So, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I I think zero would be cool, but we'll we'll see. But um, Didn't Gonzalez wear zero? Yeah, so I mean, if they take Gonzalez too, that would be a perfect fit, obviously. So, um, so that that's another one to monitor, certainly. Um, but yeah, guys, we'll have several giveaways during all all three nights of the draft party, including one exclusive for patrons. So, yet another reason uh, to get involved with the Patreon. So, um, I don't think George would be eligible to win his own giveaway. So, you know, there's one less patron you have to contend with. Um, I'm sure George can get all the jerseys he wants, so it's probably not that big of a blow to him. But, uh, <laughs> but guys, thank you so much for tuning in with us tonight. Uh, like I say, we will be back next week for another episode of Falcon Hawk Live for our first live mock draft. You've waited patiently. It's coming uh, next week. It's going to be the first live mock draft, so look forward to that. My interview with uh, Thor Nystrom from Fantasy Pros longtime draft analyst it's coming out to on friday so you can look for that on the pod on the video feed yeah and we're gonna have lots of terrific draft coverage coming your way guys uh over the next several weeks until we get into the nfl draft itself so uh before we take off want to thank my co-host tonight eric robinson at underscore eric underscore robinson eric thanks as always for coming on anything you'd like to plug at the espns at the falcoholic anything no, I, I just like I always do when I come on. <laughs> I, I'll put the wonderful uh, Falcoholic. Um, that is, again, your one stop shop for everything uh, NFL draft. 
or anything Falcons related. Um, definitely, I know for sure Kevin is 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 putting out these mocks, really good mocks that he's putting together. He's putting a lot of thought in these things as well. Um, pretty much, you know, the, the entire staff at Alcoholic is really grinding it out, especially this time of year. So give it a look. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Lots of terrific hashtag content on the site at all times. Guys, I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin, follow me there. Follow the show at Falcoholic Live. Check out the community Discord server, the link to which is in the show description on both podcast and on the YouTube show. Uh, and yeah, like I said, like, subscribe, leave that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Really appreciate that. That uh, helps us grow. So uh, thanks guys so much for hanging out with us tonight. All like 170 of you. I mean, it's, it's crazy even from last year, how many more people we have for these off season shows. Uh, I can only hope that the Falcons keep this hype train going uh, all season long. And we don't all get cripplingly depressed by week eight, like last year or week 10 or whatever it was when Mario fell off a cliff. So, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping for the best there. So, Uh, Thanks, guys, for hanging out. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Have a great night, folks.